Hey everyone, this is Achuta Bhava from Nightlight Astrology. Happy Friday, everybody. Today we are going to take a look at Venus's entrance into the sign of Virgo, which is happening over the weekend into Monday morning. Um, this is an important one because Venus's dignity is going to change profoundly as it moves into Virgo, which was the sign of its fall. So we'll talk a little bit about that in today's Rewind episode. We're going to go back and look at the Planets and Profile episode that I did on Venus into Virgo. I've been loving all of the comments you guys have been leaving on these videos talking about your own uh, placement if you have it in your if you're in your birth chart and it's been fun to rewind these episodes because like i said every time a planet ingresses into a new sign i might sometimes i get like up to 100 emails or dms or whatever on different uh the social media platforms and stuff like that of people being like hey can you talk about this planet entering this new sign especially the fast moving ones like mercury and, uh, and Venus and so forth. After I finish my uh, Tao Te Ching for Astrologers series, uh, probably later this fall or early winter, I'm gonna be moving, uh, continuing to move into the Planets and Profiles series, might even start that earlier uh, with the moon. So we'll be continuing that series as well. Anyway, I hope that you will like this um, deep dive uh, into the, the placement of Venus and Virgo. Um, before we get into it, don't forget to like and subscribe, share your comments, especially if you have Venus and Virgo. I'd love to hear from you and hear how you experience this planet. I think it can be, you know, dignities are really beautiful if you understand them correctly. If you don't, they can be things that, you know, they can freak people out or they can be misused. And so um, I hope this video clarifies that. But I'd love to hear your stories, especially if you were born with Venus in Virgo or maybe you're married to someone with Venus in Virgo or whatever. Anyway, you can always find a transcript of my daily talk on the website, nightlightastrology.com, where right now we're also running our pre-registration sale until September 12th. Let's go over to the website right now. And uh, here we are. So, Roots and Spheres. A moon circle. Really excited about this. The Roots and Spheres class begins January 19th of 2023. So this pre-registration sale lasts until September 12th. You can take advantage of a greatly reduced price on tuition. Uh, it is a moon circle that meets before new and full moons throughout the entirety of 2023. Every lunar cycle, we're going to be breaking down the astrology in group setting while also pairing the astrology of the month with various uh, rituals and practices that are designed to help people um, transform along with the astrology. It's one thing to just sort of take astrology in as a, a set of information, like sitting down and watching a weather report or looking at the weather app on your phone or something really valuable. But this class is meant uh, to take it to another level by also pairing plant teachers with the astrology every month. So um, Ashley, my wife, will be helping us with the plant teachers and helping us connect with them. And we will be in group also talking about what our experiences have been, how we're experiencing both the astrology and the plant teachers and the other kinds of things that we're doing. So check it out on the class, on the, on the course page, nightlightastrology.com. Uh, you can save quite a bit off when you use the early bird rate. There's a payment plan if you need it. There's also always tuition assistance. We try to make sure no one's ever priced out. Um, so check any of those things out. The other class is the Masterclass series. The Masterclass series is also on sale until September 12th. This are, these are four Masterclass seminars, one per season throughout 2023. You can take a look at what those are. We've got one on the moon cycle, one on the cycles of Venus and Mercury, one on zodiacal releasing, and one on unlocking temperament uh, and personality in the birth chart. Uh, these are like for people who I would say have some experience in astrology already, 
preferably with traditional or Hellenistic astrology, have an interest in those things. This is something that's meant especially to help students in my programs develop aspects of the curriculum that we don't have time to do, you know, 10, 10 more hours on. So uh, hopefully this will really satisfy uh, that for a lot of my students in particular. But early bird payments available. There's a payment plan. If you wanted to do just one of the master classes, you can purchase them a la carte. And there's tuition assistance available as well. All right. Well, thank you for letting me promote my classes. Appreciate it. And I hope that you will enjoy uh, Venus in Virgo today. And uh, please, again, leave your comments and tell me what it's like for you to be a Venus in Virgo. All right. Take it easy, everyone. Enjoy. Hi, everybody. This is Adam Ellenboss. It is uh, July 9th today, and we are going to be taking a look at today's entrance of the planet Venus into the sign of Virgo. So um, this is a uh, not like a monumental transit or anything. We have uh, Venus entering Virgo um, pretty regularly. Uh, definitely, you're going to see Venus entering Virgo every summer. Uh, so Venus always follows behind the sun or in front of the sun very closely within two signs. So uh, Venus, again, Venus entering Virgo is not like the biggest deal in the world. But whenever a planet changes signs, um, in your birth chart in ancient astrology using whole sign houses, it changes, uh, it changes houses. And so uh, you have a new set of topics that's being, that are being activated by the ingress of a planet into a new sign. So it is worth paying attention to um, whenever any planet, no matter how fast it moves, uh, changes signs. So for that reason, we want to take a look at Venus entering the sign of Virgo. Um, it's going to do so late tonight, Eastern time, a little bit earlier in the evening if you're on the West Coast. Uh, and one of the main topics that I want to explore today, in addition to just the general what can I expect from Venus entering Virgo, is this question about planets being in their fall or depression. What does it mean that ancient astrologers had this certain category that they used for planets that were said to be depressed or in their fall? Specifically, what did ancient astrologers have to say about uh, Venus being depressed in the sign of Virgo? Why did they use this language? What does it mean? What is it getting at? What does it mean for us? What does it mean if I was born with Venus in Virgo? So these will be some interesting things to look at today. And this is part of my intention to start looking at um, individual planets and signs a little bit more, because one of the things that I get questions about consistently, like all the time, is what does it mean that I was born with some planet in some sign? So hopefully we'll build a little library of uh, audio video clips that will be um, a little bit uh, shorter than my normal. My normal talks on the transits are usually 45 to 60 minutes. So the purpose of these is also to try to bring more people into astrological learning and build some bridges into the longer work that I do by providing some sort of shorter videos that are more compact and covering just basic things like what is Venus and Virgo all about? Or, you know, we could have easily just as done one on Venus and Leo or something like that. So, so that everyone has an awareness of what you're getting into here. Uh, that's our focus for today. So um, let's start by just asking the very basic question of, um, what does it mean that Venus is going into Virgo? And what are some very initial things that we can say about this placement? Um, first of all, Venus entering Virgo means that Venus is moving into a Mercury-ruled sign. It's not just a Mercury-ruled sign. It's the sign of Mercury's domicile and exaltation. So this is a place that Mercury is very, very strong in. 
it's an earth sign. It's a feminine earth sign. And uh, it's a sign that comes uh, in the solar year, comes at the end of the summer, very last sign of summer. Uh, so you know that when Venus is entering Virgo uh, very recently, it was the end of summer or it is moving toward the end of summer. We're only in cancer season right now. Venus is therefore very far out ahead of the sun in um, zodiacal order, uh, which means that Venus is going to turn retrograde. Um, and so Venus will be turning retrograde in October uh, when it enters the sign of Scorpio. So anyway, all of that is just some, some sort of the basic details that you need to know. And the way that we read any planet in any sign and the way that you understand it in your birth chart is by first breaking down the basics. So what does it mean that Venus is entering a Mercury-ruled sign? Let's start there. First of all, it means that Venus is going to start expressing herself. I'm going to use her in just a generic way because it's easy. The goddess. Uh, Venus is going to start expressing herself. And by her, we obviously are, you know, um, the, the, the feminine is both in men and women. So we're kind of assuming that for starters. But Venus will start expressing herself through the lens of Mercury, which means that Venus will start behaving in a more mercurial fashion. What is Mercury and what is Venus? That's what we have to discover now. Well, Venus's basic MO is things like uh, she represents topics like friendship and harmony and beauty and aesthetics and grace and sensuality and desire, even lust. She represents um, uh, the goddess in all her many forms. She represents in a basic way on a sort of energetic level, she represents bringing together things that are uh, somewhat unlike into uh, a harmony with one another. So those are the things that she sort of represents in general. What does Mercury represent? In a very basic sense, Mercury is more like uh, the interpreting mind or the translating mind, cognition, speech, perception, communication. Um, Mercury is related to the rational and the analytical the deconstructive, that, that which takes things apart, that which debates, contests, uh, that which is skeptical. And so Mercury is also associated with the archetype of the messenger in all of its many forms, as well as in some ways the trickster or the psychopomp or the, the, the one who, uh, astrologer, astrology was initially itself thought to be uh, a hermetic art. It was given, its mythical founder was Hermes Trismegistus. And so we have uh, Hermes and Mercury as a, a great sort of symbolic ruler of astrology itself, astrology being something that's always about analyzing, interpreting, um, and synthesizing information and then communicating it to people. So um, I was recently on the astrology podcast with Chris Brennan and um, another colleague of mine and um, Joe Gleason, and we were talking about horoscopes. <clears throat> and I was talking about writing daily horoscopes, doing these videos. And one of the things that I said was that astrologers uh, look at a transit, for example, Venus and Virgo, and we look at the fact that this planet is going to enter the sign or make some kind of aspect to another planet. And then what we start doing is we start circumambulating the transit while chanting adjectives. It was a kind of random statement that I made. And I thought after I said it, um, Joe was like, wow, that was, that was a cool statement. I was like, yeah, actually, that really works. I don't know where that came from, but that that really fits with what we do. So you can think of Mercury also as in astrology and, and what I do or what you do or what you take interest in about astrology. We, 
we take interest in a transit and then we circumambulate it and chant adjectives until we get closer to the core of what something means that's ultimately somewhat intangible, but that we try to put words around. Mercury is like that as well. Okay, so we have Venus about to enter Mercury's sign, and then that means that she's hanging out in the house of Mercury. Now, this word rulership, sometimes you may have heard the word rulership being used. Um, it really wasn't a word that came into the tradition of astrology until much later. The original conceptualization of a planet like ruling a sign was more like it was the steward of a sign. And there was an implied sense of uh, stewardship in every sign of the zodiac because the planets are like constantly traveling through each other's houses. They're constantly moving through the circle of the zodiac, which means Virgo may be the domicile or the home of Mercury, but Mercury is also the steward of Virgo, acting as the host for the planets, the wayfaring pilgrim planets that keep moving uh, through its house. So if you think about our houses, when you think about your house, do you think to yourself, uh, yeah, I rule this house? You know, do you walk around like this is, I, I rule this place? I mean, maybe some people have that attitude, right? But not many of us. Most of us think of the place that we live in as our home. We, we, we love our home. We feel safe in our home. It's familiar to us. We occupy our home. Um, and we host whoever comes through, through our home. Uh, in India, of course, one of the longstanding traditions in India for sadhus, sannyasis, renunciate, wandering monks and ministers is to be hosted by people and to be fed by people in one village and place after another. This is actually really old from all over the world. And um, that's closer to the kind of mentality that people had during the Hellenistic dawn of astrology when you're thinking about planets having a home, but also constantly being the host to other planets that come through their home. So when Venus enters uh, Virgo, it would be a bit like you coming into, let's say, my house. If you come into my house, you're going to be surrounded by a lot like a two and a half year old vibe and a lot of spiritual paraphernalia, right? <laughs> like, because we, my, you know, my wife and I own a yoga studio, I'm an astrologer. So our house is, you know, sort of a, a, like, there's a lot of spiritual stuff. <laughs> so, and then there's a two and a half year old. So you would get, if you stayed here for a while, you would start naturally expressing yourself, acting and behaving through the lens of a two and a half year old and through spiritual, you know, paraphernalia, maybe some astrology books or something. So, or some herbalism books that my wife has. Okay. So same idea applies to whenever a planet is entering another planet's sign. Because it's entering Virgo, it doesn't mean that suddenly it's entering a domain of fussiness and criticalness and pickiness, right? Some of the ways that modern astrology ha have taught us to emphasize the psychological meanings of signs um, has encouraged within us a way of thinking about the signs that uh, doesn't fully acknowledge uh, where and how some of those stereotypes are generated, where they come from, how are they generated. Virgo is not inherently a sign that's about fussiness. It's a, it's a sign that's inherently mercurial and earthy. And so when you bring mercury and the element of earth together, one of the ways in which they might behave will be fussy or critical, among many, many other things. So, but it's important to recognize that the symbolism of Virgo is not just 
coming from some random place. It's not that like, well, it's related to the Harvest Maiden constellation and, you know, Harvest harvest Maidens are like, generically, they're all fussy and critical. You know, no. There are astronomical reasons based on the time of year that give us some of the sort of stereotypes that we would mention about Virgo psychologically. There are also uh, reasons that are more... um, accurately related to the rulership of Mercury and the element of Earth and so forth. So at any rate, um, that's just an aside because you you need to understand that when a planet goes into a house, it starts behaving in a way that it starts acting like itself. So Venus is going to be like Venus, but she's going to be expressing herself through the lens of Virgo, uh, through the lens of Mercury, excuse me. And so um, what does that Venus look like? Well, um, she's being hosted she's being hosted she's in the home being hosted by mercury so venus becomes a little bit more analytical she becomes a little bit more rational she becomes a little bit more interpretive or she becomes a little bit more skilled mercury also has a ancient association with all skilled trades whether working with your hands or technical information or data or specialty kind of skill or technical things in general so she may become more technical she could become more fussy she could become more earthy and practical, concerned with things that are a little bit more conservative, that are, you know, you're interested in shaping or forming something and, and like that. So those are some of the ways that Venus can start behaving very basically once she enters Mercury's home. So what does that mean in your chart? Well, right now, um, it may not be the biggest influence in the world because it's a pretty fast moving transit. Um, but you look at the Virgo ruled area of your chart and you start thinking to yourself, you know, Venus is going to start coming in and being like Venus. She's going to realize she wants to harmonize. She wants to start harmonizing things. She's concerned with beauty. She's concerned with friendship and love and sensuality, maybe lust, etc. But now she might start, she might be interested in those things while also adopting a kind of mercurial attitude, more technical, mental, rational, skilled, etc., just some basics here of, so that you can start putting these together on your own. So then just look at that house in your chart and think, okay, that's what's, that's what's going to happen. All right. So for example, in my chart, it's about to enter my fifth house. Well, that's a house that's associated with creativity and the arts. So let's say that I'm about to try to uh, start making things, but it's going to require um, that I have um, more careful attention to details or the things that I'm going to start crafting are going to have a more technical, analytical, or rational quality to them, right? Just very simple stuff. And that would be Venus entering uh, Mercury's abode of Virgo and moving into my fifth house of creativity. But let's say that it was we we're looking at the fifth house in terms of children. Well, what if I was about to start uh, teaching my daughter how to... Um, you know, draw the alphabet with finger paints or something, or, you know, use some finger paints to draw out the letters of the alphabet. And I'm going to start working with her on this every day. Well, there's a Venus and Virgo activity in your fifth house of children. Really simple. So it's kind of a fun way to, to, it's an easy way to look at a planet, say, what does the planet act like normally? Whose house is it in? And it will start behaving in the, in, the, in the manner of the host of that house. And then look at the house it occupies in your chart as it's changing signs. And you may notice the qualities and themes there. So then um, you can also be careful of some of the extremes. For example, um, 
Venus in Virgo may uh, tend to um, look a gift horse in the mouth, you know, take something beautiful or nice or generous or sweet or harmonious and pick it apart. So you want to be careful of that. Or Venus in Virgo, on the other hand, could uh, make you more self-conscious and critical of your own looks or your body. It could have you easily criticizing your own food if you make food. So those are some of the things you could be careful of is sort of overly critical, rational or analytical things sort of killing the vibe of Venus, right? Um, on the other hand, uh, some of the gifts of this placement, we've, which we've already mentioned again, would include things like, you know, bringing a little bit more precision or a little bit more thoughtfulness or carefulness or craftiness into something that's aesthetic. Uh, maybe there is some room for some constructive criticism or maybe there's something... Um, uh, in relationships, there's room for uh, improving things in order to make them more beautiful or more harmonious. And you will have an eye for uh, being able to deconstruct and analyze the problem. And then by analyzing that problem, again, you could make something overall more appealing. Okay, so those are just, again, some examples of the positives and negatives you could look for. Now, let's talk about why Venus in Virgo was considered to be in her fall. What does that mean? Well, I'm going to um, just read you something, and this comes from um, this comes from Rhetorius. I'll hold this up so you can see it. Great book. If you ever want to start getting into reading ancient astrology, it will really change your practice to help you understand the way that ancient astrologers were thinking about these things. Here's what Rhetorius says about the exaltation and fall of uh, Venus and its relationship to Mercury. Again, for what reason is it that Venus is exalted in Pisces and there Mercury is in its fall, whereas Mercury is exalted in Virgo and there Venus is in its fall? We say that Mercury is the lord of words, but Venus is the ruler of desire and sex. Here then does the rational increase there is desire and the enjoyment of sex in its fall. And here is longing and pleasure exalted. There is logic in its fall. So a very, very simple statement. Let's think about it like this. When Venus is in um, Pisces, it's said to be um, exalted, right? But that same place where Venus is exalted in Pisces, what does an exaltation mean? An exaltation, you could think of, we'll start there. Exaltation, you could think about as a, a planet um, uh, experiencing a kind of uh, very uh, uh, high uh, peak of its, its natural qualities. So Venus in Pisces is especially romantic, dreamy, sensual, exotic, etc., when Venus in Pisces reaches the, the uh, moves into the sign of the fish, moves into the abode of Jupiter, it, it, it starts expressing Venetian qualities through the lens of Jupiter. They all get big and fantastic and great, right? So that's Venus exalted. She, she gets lifted up on high in the sign of Pisces, that expansive Jupiter place. Okay. But then in that same place, Mercury is depressed. What does that mean? Well, it means that um, uh, when you take Mercury and you put it in its natural, analytical, rational features, and you put it in the sign of Jupiter, and you put it in the exaltation of Venus, um, well, that, those are places where 
the intellectual, the rational, the deconstructive, the skeptical, the debating, the argumentation, uh, the vacillating, those qualities are all naturally diminished in the sign of Jupiter and the exaltation of Venus. Because um, Venus likes to bring things together. She harmonizes things. Mercury likes to take them apart. Jupiter also coheres, creates larger wholes, creates larger unities. That's why they're both considered benefics, because both planets tend to bring things together, confirm, say yes, bind together, make bigger, grow, expand, etc. Most people in general like that. Uh, you know, you, you want your smile to get bigger, you want your happiness to get bigger, you want your garden to get bigger, especially if you're, you know, a farmer, you, you know, you, you want the rains to come and replenish your crops, you want your sex life to improve, you want your fortune to improve, you'd like your bank account to increase, right? Those are all Venus, Jupiter things, because Venus and Jupiter is, you know, working things together to grow them. Mercury's natural feature is about analysis, interpretation, etc. It doesn't do well in that kind of environment. It's naturally uh, placed into a position, you might say, of subservience to things like faith, Jupiter, or coherence, or adherence, or um, harmony, and, uh, and also indulgence. Um, here's the thing about Mercury, it doesn't do well in that sign either, is that Mercury is the one who says, should I really be doing this? It, 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 it looks good, sounds good, looks like it'll make me happy, but maybe I'll feel bloated afterward, or maybe I'll get lost, or you know, maybe I'm, it, it looks good, but all that glitters isn't gold. So the rational and analytical is also sort of swept out to sea in Pisces because Jupiter, Venus like to hang out there, okay? So there's Mercury in its depression. Flip it over to the other side, and what do you have? You have Venus in Mercury's sign. And that's why we say she's depressed because now Venus has to hang out in the opposite environment that she likes. That's why Rhetorius says, uh, very basically, Mercury is Lord of words. Venus is ruler of desire and sex. Uh, where the um, uh, rational and logical are exalted in Virgo, Mercury's exaltation in Virgo and its rulership, in that place, Venus is depressed because she doesn't do well in an environment that is predominantly analytical, that's predominantly mental, etc. So um, Venus is in her fall in Virgo because the tension between her natural qualities and the, the environment of Mercury is really intense. So let's say, for example, Venus is going over to hang out at a mathematician's house. And the mathematician's house is just total chaos. There's just, there's no aesthetic harmony. There's no clean space. You've got uh, papers and books and chalkboards filled with equations everywhere. And the, uh, the mathematician is like the, the stereotypical image of like a crazy scientist or something, just unkempt, but like, and just like, you know, bubbling out of the brain. Venus takes one look and is like, oh, you're, you're killing me. You're not going to be fun to go to bed with, probably, um, you know, um, your house is a mess. It smells like cat pee, whatever. Like Mercury is, Venus is not going to like love that environment. Okay, so, so she's naturally uncomfortable basically is what we're, what we're trying to say. So um, what does that look like? Okay, well, it can, it can actually play out in some very, very interesting ways. Let's talk about some people, uh, first of all, like just Venus and Virgo individuals that have like 
can put the thing the, the two together in an interesting way for example martha stewart martha stewart venus and virgo you have a really nice combination there of venus getting along with virgo um venus getting along with mercury as the, as the ruler of virgo you have someone who is really crafty you have someone who's not lacking in aesthetic you know she's got a she's you know, really, really talented, but it's very earthy. It's very, has a kind of puritanical, earthy, all American feel to it for the most part. Um, and it has, it's a little dry maybe, um, but uh, she's also a sort of technical master, a craftswoman, a, a master craftswoman. So that's a great example of Venus and Virgo. It doesn't necessarily have to mean that anything is jacked up. Uh, okay. Similarly, one of my good friends who did my wife's, um, astrology buddy of mine who did my wife's hair for her uh, our wedding um, he is venus in virgo and he is uh you know is very famous uh stylist in in new york we became friends through astrology while i was living in new york i met some people and, and ended up getting introduced to him and we traded some astrology for her hair and um He's like, he's done, you know, people at the Oscars, at, you know, all the big award shows. He had his own salon in New York City. I mean, he's been Vogue's like top stylist of the year, just has a ridiculous resume. And he's got Venus in Virgo. It's the beauty and precision combined. So there's, there are great examples of this. Um, however, um, like in the case of Martha Stewart, you also have some interesting tensions. For example, when you have the tension between, um, Venus and Mercury going on when Venus is in her fall in Virgo, you also have, um, for example, the tendency to be uh, maybe very masterful when it comes to design, but also really uptight or pent up in some other way. So for, for example, not to pick on Martha Stewart, I don't, you know, not to judge anybody, but if you've ever seen the Saturday Night Live episode, uh, there's a number of them where they, they have someone impersonating Martha Stewart often she's walking around just and and she'll be totally naked in the sketch and they'll like blur out you know uh blur out certain parts of her body and she'll be walking around telling you how wonderful and beautiful and perfect like everything is and it's just so all american and perfect looking and she's talking like a total robot and in the meantime she's totally nude of course everyone th finds that skit really funny especially if you've ever sort of seen martha stewart because there's something that's just a little too perfect. You know, Venus doesn't actually like things that are too perfect because when things are too perfect, you can't touch them. There's no interacting. There's no sensual relating to them. They're, it's too dry. It's too perfect. It, then it's, it, you see what I'm saying? So um, there's something about Venus and Virgo that can also present in a sort of perfectly, you know, the perfect pedicure, the perfect presentation, but there's something about it that's too controlled, that's a little too rigid, that's a little too dry, like that. Because you can always see that tension with Venus and and uh, Venus and Virgo. The, the perfectionist tendency can actually kill something very vibrant and organic and a little bit more messy about what Venus actually is. Um, so. That's just something uh, to think about with, with those two. Um, then uh, let's see, aesthetic. We talked about aesthetic precision. Uh, okay, here's the other thing. When you have uh, Venus in Virgo and it's, um, 
the tension between um, Venus and Mercury appears, you can also have people who get pent up inside um, sexually, or they get very frustrated sexually because of uh, a tendency to be more anxious, controlled, earthy, conservative, practical, analytical, etc. And you have this manifesting sometimes in the sort of, you, in Virgo in general, sometimes you can talk about the mythic dichotomy between the virgin and the whore to classic sort of literary archetypal images that are associated with uh, the goddess, the feminine, etc. And um, you have, for example, that dichotomy in the, the gospel story between Mary Magdalene and, and the Virgin Mary. If two Marys, one is the prostitute, one is the, uh, the, the uh, mother of God, and yet both have intimate, deep relationships with uh, Christ in the story. So Virgo often embodies the, the virgin whore dichotomy sort of inherently with, within it in myth, um, in, a, in a mythic sense. But when Venus is in Virgo, that can become extra um, extreme. So the tendency to be analytically held back, cautious, conservative, skeptical, or sort of nervous mentally or emotionally can lead to the need to just sort of explode into extreme displays of, you know, uh, sensuality, sexuality, sexual freedom, et cetera, et cetera. So for example, Wilt Chamberlain, who's a famous basketball player, I was reading about this today. Um, Wilt Chamberlain, uh, apparently, I should double check this. Let me just double check it while I've got it. But I was reading this earlier today and um, Wilt Chamberlain had, uh, he was wrote a memoir um, and the memoir was about his career as a basketball player. He was a very, like, you know, famous basketball player. And um, so, oops, here we go. And he was a very famous basketball player. And he wrote a, a memoir in which he talked about having slept with over, he calculated at something like over 20,000 women in his life. And, you know, you hear that and you're just like, that is so, you know, that's just so intense. Um, and yeah, here it is. And in fact, he has, just so you know, he has Venus in Virgo conjoined with Neptune, right? So there's that, that's ex and that's exactly what I'm talking about. He, in fact, he struggled. He had different kinds of nervous restlessness that caused him to have insomnia for a, a good por portion of his life. And he also had these really powerful sexual drive, this really powerful sexual drive that accompanied his fame. Just a simple example of how it's not like it's not like Venus and Virgo is necessarily prude. So some people will say that, oh, Venus and Virgo, it's an earth sign. The ancient astrologers said Virgo was barren, you know, it must be that you don't get laid or something, or something like that. But no, this is not in fact it can it can represent like intense sexual tension that may be difficult to deal with or that may vacillate between more repressive states and more expressive ones. So um that can be but the 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 tension between the two can be really pronounced. So that's really the point there. Um, so, you know, and that can stand in in our lives in lots of ways, that tension, the desire to show up in a way that's organized, careful, thoughtful, considerate, um, the perfectionism behind that. And Venus as the feminine is much more naturally fluid and naturally harmonizing with things that are unlike. So harmony is made between things that aren't identical, they're different. And um, 
Mercury's way of dealing with differences is to analyze them and to make or build something out of them or to deal with them in a more rational and logical way. Venus's way is to just very fluidly find ways of sort of singing things that are different together. So you can just imagine how tense it might be for Venus and Virgo to be trying to sing things together and yet constantly having to do so in a way that's much more mental and technical and sort of blocky and, and chunky like that. Now, to be fair, um, again, this can express itself in terms of like people um, that have Venus and Virgos who are really, really talented artists like John Lennon had Venus and Virgo, you know, um, uh, nothing that's so clunky about John Lennon's music, right? It feels pretty fluid and amazing. And he had some good Libra energy in his chart, but you is so Venus, some Venus ruled stuff going on there, but, but he also, um, he was also a, per, a perfectionist, was very controlling, could be very um, bullying with the way he wanted things to go musically. Martha Stewart has been criticized for the same thing. So there's um, the same kinds of tension that can exist there. All right. So those are just some examples of Venus, you know, people with Venus and Virgo, different things you can struggle with or different talents you might have or abilities. Overall, the other thing you always have to remember with a fall in a chart is that it's not just about the psychological qualities or tensions that exist. A planet in its fall may also symbolize uh, a, a low point in fortune. The highs and lows of fortune are constant in our life. This is our last thought. The highs and lows of fortune are constant in our life, meaning you're going to have days where some things are really, really great. Your career is kicking and, you know, in high gear and you're really successful. You're going to have times where your career is not so great. Most of us go through ups and downs and fortune in all areas of our life, our whole life long. That's because that's just the nature of the material world. Astrology has always been about the ability of the, the planets in the sky in this language to reflect those highs and lows. So exaltations and depressions are also about the natural way that anything in life can become really glorious and sort of uplifted or can become really downcast. And it's not just you personally. So if you have Venus and Virgo in your chart, it doesn't just mean like, oh, I'm personally afflicted because I'm like that. No, for example, in Martha Stewart's chart, Venus is in uh, Virgo in uh, the House of Friends. And its fall in the house of friends rules the 12th house of imprisonment. She literally, one of the low points in her life was that she went uh, to jail, 12th house of prison, imprisonment, uh, because she took insider trading advice from a friend, Venus in the 11th house of friends. So you have, uh, or for example, John Lennon, John Lennon's Venus in Virgo is in the sixth, which is uh, a, a house of struggle and strife in ancient astrology. And um, that was the ruler of his house of marriage. Well, not only was he greatly criticized um, because of who, you know, he, he married for various uh, reasons that are not, you know, fair. There was some prejudice involved and, and so forth. But also he was, um, he was, he was lambasted because he was, it was said that his marriage broke up the Beatles, you know? Um, so at any rate um, you have uh you have Venus in his chart in its fall, ruling the house of marriage. Doesn't mean it's a bad marriage. It means that there are valleys of fortune, that the low points of fortune that are sometimes related, low points of destiny that may be related to the rulership of a planet over certain topics in our life. And when it's in its depression, it means it can bring 
the topics that it rules down into a deeper kind of place, a deeper, more difficult kind of place. Uh, so that's just, you know, two example, two quick examples of Venus in a chart where the, uh, where the Venus in Virgo may not have anything to do with you personally as much as it may also reflect some um, low point in fortune. But guess what? Where there's a low, there's a high. And usually the thing that's um, present with any exaltation or depression is the tendency toward extremes of fortune in both directions. So that's something not a lot of people know about exaltations and depressions. They're like, gosh, such a it's such a depressing topic. But uh, a depression is intimately linked to an exaltation. You can't have a drop in fortune without simultaneously knowing a high. So for example, John Lennon can't know what it's like to go through the ridicule and turmoil in his life surrounding marriage if it wasn't simultaneously connected to like, well, you were in the Beatles and everything was so great. And then you had to go and marry, you know, Yoko Ono. So the, the energy that surrounds the language of depression is linked to highs and lows of fortune and the way that they relate to one another in our lives. So it's just important to know that when you're thinking about them in your own chart. All right. So that's what we've got for today. Um, I will see if there are any questions here. Otherwise we're done. Never known a Virgo who was not at least a little neurotic. Ra, thank you. Uh, Venus and Virgo and you're loving this. Oh, good. That's good to hear. When the critic enters, love exits. There you go. <laughs> Someone just realized you have Venus and Virgo. Okay, cool. All right, that's what I've got for you guys today. I hope this was interesting. Like I said, I'm, these my typical talks are 45 to 60. So these I'm aiming to be more around half an hour on just more basic individual topics that people may find interesting that they may, you know, you may have in your own birth chart. So um, we will hopefully uh, talk to you guys soon. Eclipse coming up shortly. So we'll be taking a look at the upcoming eclipse in the next couple of days. All right, guys, have a good one. Bye.